having seen better days. Most of the upper shelves were bleakly empty. And then I saw the girl. She was staring through the window, sucking a piece of long red hair, her features weighted with a boredom so sensual I could feel it tingle along my fingertips. I pinched the lit tip off my cigarette, put the remainder in my jacket pocket and pushed open the door. I am not bad-looking, better then, before everything happened, with the kind of face, crinkled blue eyes, strong cheekbones, full lips, I've been told women love. I took trouble over my appearance, though the desired result was to make it look as if I didn't. Sometimes when I shaved I noticed the length of my fingers against the chiseled symmetry of my jaw, the regularity of the bristles, the slight hook in the patrician nose. An interest in life of the mind, I believed, was no reason to ignore the body. My chest is broad. I fight hard even now to keep it firm. Those exercises I picked up at Power Pulse, the Bloomsbury gym, over the course of the free taster month, continue to prove useful. I knew how to work my look, too. The sheepish, self-deprecating smile, the careful use of eye contact, the casual, deep-in-thought mussing of my messy blonde hair. The girl barely looked up when I entered. She was wearing a long geometric top over leggings and chunky biker boots, three small studs in the inside cartilage of one ear, heavy makeup, a small bird-shaped tattoo on the side of her neck. I dipped my head, giving my hair a quick shake. Corblimey, I said in mock cockney, raining cats and dogs out there. She rocked gently backwards on the heels of her boots, resting her bottom on a metal stool and cast a glance in my direction. She dropped the spindle of ruby hair she'd been chewing. I said more loudly, Of course Ruskin said there was no such thing as bad weather, only different kinds of good weather. The sulky mouth moved very slightly, as if vaguely in the direction of a smile. I lifted the damp collar of my coat. But tell that to my tailor. The smile faded, came to nothing. Tailor. How was she to know the coat bought for a snip at Oxfam in Camden Town was ironic? I took a step closer. On the table in front of her sat a Starbucks cup, the name Josie scrawled in black felt tip. Josie, is it? I said. She said flatly, No, that was what I told the barista. I tell them a different name every time. Can I help you? Are you looking for anything in particular? She looked me up and down, taking in the absorbent tweed, the cords, the leaking brogues, the pathetic middle-aged man that wore them. A mobile phone on the counter trembled, and though she didn't pick it up, she flicked her eyes towards it, nudging it with her spare hand to read the screen above the cup, a gesture of dismissal. Stung, I slunk away and headed to the back of the shop, where I crouched, pretending to browse a low shelf, two for five pounds. Perhaps she was a little too fresh out of school, not quite my audience. Even so, how dare she? Fuck. At this angle I smelt damp paper and sweat, other people's stains, other people's fingers. A sharp coldness in here, too. Scanning the line of yellowing paperbacks, phrases from my publisher's last email insinuated themselves into my head. Too experimental, not in tune with the current market. How about writing a novel in which something actually happens? I stood. Bugger it. I'd leave with as much dignity as I could muster and head off to the London Library, or, quick look at my watch, the Groucho. It was almost 3 p.m. 
someone might be there to stand me a drink. I have tried hard to remember if the door jangled, whether it was the kind of door that did. The shop had seemed empty when I entered, but the layout allowed anyone to hide or lurk, as indeed I was now. Was he already in the shop, or not? Do I remember the scent of West Indian limes? It seems important. But perhaps it isn't. Perhaps it is just my mind trying to find an explanation for something that may, of course, be random. Paul? Paul Morris? He was standing on the other side of the bookcase, only his head visible. I took a brief physical inventory, close-set eyes, receding hairline that gave his face an incongruously twee heart shape, puny chin. It was the large gap between the two front teeth that sparked the memory. Anthony Hopkins, a contemporary from Cambridge, his story.